This is 91.7 FM, WHUS, Stores. I am Pedlin' Ron, and you are listening to Bicycle Talk. And it is March, oh dear, that's the wrong date, 28th, 2018. Uh, welcome to Bicycle Talk, this week with my co-host, the lovely Fran Storch. Hello. A show where we talk about bicycles, bicycle culture, bicycle advocacy, upcoming news and cycling, the bicycle business, and the bicycle calendar. If you have a comment or you'd like to contribute to the, more information to the show, please call or text right now at 860-486-9487, or you can email me at bicycletalk, the numeral one, at gmail.com, or you can also visit Bicycle Talk on Facebook. You can also listen to past episodes of Bicycle Talk on whus.org or on iTunes. And again, if you'd like to contribute to the show, Bicycle Talk, the numeral one, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm going to start out with Ron's rant of the week, and it's going to be a continuation of last week because I just, it, it got under my skin a little bit about this this whole Uber car that ran over someone in Arizona and killed them as they were walking their bicycle across the street. So um, I spoke about driverless cars last week and that we're just not ready for this yet, and it prompted me to explore it a little further. Distracted driving, okay? Uh, Each day in the United States, approximately nine people are killed and more than 1,000 are injured in crashes that have that are reported to involve a distracted driver. Distracted driving um, is driving while you're doing another activity that takes your attention away from driving. Of course, the most common form of distracted driving is uh, using your cell phone and using it either in the fashion of talking to someone on the phone or as going as far as to be texting and or sending an email or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a huge problem. So I, as I dug into this a little bit, I looked and I saw, I found a nice little statistic here, which I have posted on my Facebook site. And some people have already commented back on it, which I thank you very much for doing so at 55 miles per hour. Sending or reading a text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. You think five seconds, no big deal, right? Five seconds is long enough at 55 miles an hour to cover an entire football field. So if you think that car up in front of you, which is many, 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 many car lengths ahead of you, is not going to be um, seeing the front end of your car in their rear end very quickly because you took your eyes off the road to text, you're mistaken. So... You know, these are things that I I just, I'm going to rant about it forever. Why? Because I ride a bike. And I don't want you to be coming up behind me on my bicycle with your distracted driving techniques and decide to just plow into me and take me out. Or I don't want to be crossing at a crosswalk and because you decided it was more important for you to answer your text than it was to watch where you were going, you end up hitting and killing someone in a crosswalk. This is, this is just crazy. Here's, here's, a, um, here's an idea for you. Just out of curiosity, if you are an avid cell phone user, try not using your phone for one day. Just put it down. Shut it off. Leave it alone. Walk away from it. 
and see if you can get through. Probably a really good time to do this maybe on a weekend if you're busy. And I know I understand a lot of people use their phones for work. I know that Fran has to be on call all the time because she's a doctor. So she needs to always have some way of people contacting her. And, and I understand those exceptions. But if you're not one of those really, really important people... <laughs> then maybe you should consider taking a day off on the cell phone and see what happens. I am a very important person. Could you hear the all caps like in Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, that's nice the way you did that. Very nice. Do you see what I did there? Yes, I do see what you did there. <clears throat> anyway, cell phone usage, distracted driving, you know, it just kind of gets at the bicycle people out there because, you know, we, we kind of like to ride our bikes and we like to do it safely. Thank you. Um, so moving on from Ron's rant of the week, I'm going to go to on a positive side. I've got a couple of items here. One is going to be a very quick shout out to the Yukon cycling team for putting on an outrageously good event last weekend here on the stores campus. Um, and well, near the stores campus, I should say at the Mansfield middle school and then down on Chaffeyville and Compish Falls road. They did a great job. They had a bunch of universities come from all around a couple hundred kids showed up and raced in the intercollegiate races and then they had a, another race on sunday up at stafford springs so i was just i was very impressed i wrote to nick who i've been trying to get on the show for for a, a while now and congratulated him and complimented him for the work well done so he did a great job but fran sent me over something that she wanted to share and this one's a little tough because it's a little bit of a it's a little bit heartbreaking and at the same time, um, unbelievable, and it has to do with a bicycle. So here we go. Um, there was a young girl. Um, her name was Abby, and she died when she was 20 years old. She drowned, unfortunately, in a pool, and it was a very sad thing. But she had been a uh, she was a, an organ donor, so she donated her organs to science, and um, that. Heart. One of the things that that was claimed was her heart, and the heart went to a young man from Lafayette, Louisiana, who had suffered a heart attack. And yeah, I know it's a it's a tearjerker. And his heart was quickly failing, and he needed a miracle. And then along comes Abby's heart, so they transplant her heart into this boy's body, and he lives and does is doing remarkably well with it. The dad got on his bicycle and rode 1,400 miles to hear his deceased daughter's heartbeat. Kind of an interesting story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And there's a video when of the two video. of them meeting that he gets off his bike and he meets the guy. Oh, I know. It's just, a, it's incredible. I mean, it's just, wow. They, they hug and the guy gets a stethoscope and he gets to listen to the heart. It's like, oh. So, I mean, break out your Kleenex now. Oh, yeah, I know. So on a positive side... If you're a, a healthy cyclist, like the three of us that are sitting here in this room right now, um, you know, consider being an organ donor. That you could, you could probably, you know, help someone else in their life later on. So consider it. That's all. So that's my positive side. I won't get into deep detail on that one um, because we have a guest here today that we have to get to, too. And then the maintenance minute. <coughs> so my maintenance minute. I decided to talk about WD-40. Yeah, yeah, I see nods. So WD-40 is, um, it, it, everyone knows what W, well, a lot of people know what WD-40 is. It's, it's, um, it was designed many, many years ago 
as a um, water disperser, I believe, dispersing agent, I think is what it was called. So, so here it is. Um, so the, the founder of it was Norman Larson. He was the founder of Rocket Chemical Company, and he's considered the original founder of WD-40, according to WD-40.com. Larson aimed to develop a line of rust prevention solvents and degreasers for use in the aerospace industry. He succeeded at the goal, water displacement, WD, on the 40th attempt, hence the name. So there's where WD-40 comes from. Um, why do I bring it up on a maintenance minute? Because, you know, it's not, don't put it on your chain. Please don't do that. Don't do it. It's, it's a very, WD-40 is mostly a solvent, and it has a very light lubricant mixed in. So it's great for getting stuck parts moving again. When you spray it on, the solvent dislodges wherever the, whatever gunk may be causing the part to stick, and then it evaporates, leaving a light lubricant behind. It allows the previously stuck part to move again. The reason it is, not general, it, it is generally not considered a good bicycle lubricant is because it is a light lubricant. It's just fine for household items like door hinges and, you know, things around the house. You get a little creak or whatever, and you can spray a little WD-40 on there. But don't use it on your bike. Please don't. You can clean your bike parts with it if you want to do that. That works because it's mostly solvent. But no WD-40, please. Not on, not on your ch- especially your chain. And always remember, as I've said before, if your chain is talking to you or crying at you, it probably needs your attention. So... I'm going to move on from WD-40. Please don't use it. You can use any other lubricant. We've talked about lubricants before. Because your chain is like a little kid. Why? Okay, go ahead. I want the analogy. Because it cries when it needs you and it talks to you. Well, there you go. Instead of asking you for love, it asks you for lube. You know what I've said. Bicycles are people, too. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. So um, we have a guest today who has come all the way out from Hartford, Tony Chirillis. Tony has been on here before. Welcome, Tony. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on. You are, um, you are an inspiration to us in the bicycle world because you are so involved in so many different things. And um, I, I just, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank but I'm, I'm not going to ask you about your first experience on your bike because you've already done this here. Yeah, you've yeah, you've got to you got to get more creative with the questions now. Okay, yeah. well, if you have um, something else you'd like to share about, uh, why don't here we go? Tell us something we don't know. Um, let's see that something, you're not embarrassed to say on the air. <laughs> uh, yeah, something that you don't know that I am not embarrassed uh, to say on the air. Uh, you you. Folks might not know that I was born and raised in the Midwest, and I'm a transplant to the East Coast. That's why you're a nice guy. I've been accused of that. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Yeah. There's something strange out there. I don't know what it – well, it's not strange. It's just not here. Yeah, we, I, I've, I've thought about it because I've lived in a couple different places in the U.S. And, and in, the, in the Midwest and, and in the South where things are further apart – and you're not so uh, you're you're not so close to other people. Uh, you you have that friendlier first uh, sort of interaction because you actually do want to talk to the person that you're seeing <laughs> because you haven't talked to anybody in a while. So I, this, things are farther apart, so we're friendly there. You are, yeah. you are like remarkably so. When I rode my bike across the country, that you know the Midwest was like it was like landing on another planet. It really was. It's that much different. 
because you know when you grow up in the East Coast, of course, especially in New England, you know we 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 will take a while to get to know you because that's the way we are here. You know, I think it's because we're too heavily wrapped in flannel or something. I don't know what it is, but it's it's yeah. I've got all kinds of theories about it. But. Okay, okay, we should share that sometime. <laughs> that might be a fun time. <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's the way we are. And Fran will even say it about, you know, the difference between people from New England and people from New York and New Jersey. She'll, she'll have a, a different comment there. And yeah. I will, too. Hers are more positive than mine are. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. There's, there's, there's different states. They all have their, their tweaks. You're right. They yeah. do. They have certain character traits. Yeah. Right. So um, Tony is the Transport Hartford Coordinator for for the Center for Latino Progress in Hartford. And tell us tell us what, what that is and what, what you do. Yeah, I just keep changing titles. To keep, I, I noticed that because it used to be, you know, when I first brought you on, you were you were Mr. Bicico. Yep, yep. Right. Uh, we, we ramped up Bicico. You've talked a bit recently with, with Joseph Dickerson. We had Joseph um, on a few weeks ago, yes. And uh, Bicico is often running under, under, under his under his uh, leadership and doing a great job uh, continuing to ramp up new programs and, and continue the programs we, ha- we have at BCCO. Um, with the Transport Hartford, we were operating under a grant uh, from the Hartford Foundation last year uh, to do education and community engagement, civic engagement, um, and action groups uh, coming out of that civic engagement around multimodal transit and active transportation topics. Uh, there's there's a lot of folks that walk, bike, and ride buses, uh, and now comp- commuter trains. We're getting those in Hartford in in May. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about this. You're oh, gonna have to fill yeah. me in on that one. Yeah, we got hmm. uh, starting in May. There's a commuter rail service, 17 trips a day down to New Haven from Hartford. Wow. And I think 12 trips a day up to Springfield. So wow. you can really get to the casino anytime you want. Oh, sad. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it is a good jobs connection <laughs> a, for Hartford. On a twisted note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so we talk about those transportation topics. We had a bunch of workshops last year. Ten action groups came out of it. Um, you know, a lot of them were around uh, bike and pedestrian issues. Uh, every bus rider is a walker, and uh, a lot of folks that ride the bus are bike riders. So That's really cool. Continuing that work this year. Uh, we just had announced a grant that we uh, that won at a national level from the National Safety Council uh, for their Road to Zero grant. So that work starts in July and runs for about a year, and it's around reducing uh, crashes and injuries and vulnerable user uh, fatalities and crashes in Hartford. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, um, that's, that's kind of remarkable. Uh, so this is... This is like, I, I'm still, I'm still like going back with the whole train service. So, is that going to continue forever on that? What's the deal there? Um, that the they've made a significant investment in the uh, rail infrastructure between, uh, mostly between New Haven and Hartford, and they're starting to increase uh, double track where they can run two trains next to each other between Hartford and Springfield. So that wow. they've made the big investment. Uh, in the infrastructure, so if they didn't continue the commuter rail, they'd be kind of leaving that uh, to, to to follow. Uh, huh. So, I it, like any of these services, they're going to keep an eye on ridership, and they have ridership goals. But uh, the DOT has been talking about it as a long-term investment. So, 
So um, there was a, a train years ago that used to go up through there. There was uh, an Amtrak train, the Montreal, or it used to go through. Does that still happen? Uh, the I think it's the Vermonter now. Uh, so the okay. Amtrak will still be running their train, uh, which may be once or twice a day. Okay. And I, it doesn't cross the border anymore. So really? they don't call it the Montrealer. Ouch. Uh, so that that you're, you're I'm actually looking to take that train to kick off a bike tour because it takes you right to the uh, Canada border. I am feeling a homeland security feeling here. Is that yeah. is that why they stopped doing that? Yeah, there's some complication. They're trying to do some negotiation to be able to cro- have the train cross the border again. Um, oh which, gosh, which we okay. we would think we could do. Well, you would think, but, you know, it's a complicated world we live in now. Yeah. It's no longer as easy as it used to be. I went to the—I was at the state state legislature office yesterday for uh, the Friends of Mansfield Hollow State Park. Mm -hmm. It's a big Friends Day in Hartford. And, boy, what I had to do to get into that building. That was amazing. I mean, just—it's like like the airport. You can't get into the building anymore without— all sorts of, you know, emptying all your pockets. Yeah, that's that's one of the great things about transit and rail is is that it's still kind of seamless uh, yeah. for getting on and off buses and trains. And, yeah. and you don't have to show up, you know, two hours early. Right, right, right. Well, very cool. Very cool. Now, you, you took, um, the last time I had you on here, there was a new bus that was running from um, Hartford to stores and back to Hartford again. Yep. And I'm assuming that you took that out here again? I did. I took the uh, 913 Express out from Hartford. Uh, great, smooth ride. Beautiful. Uh, got to kind of relax and read on the way out. Mm-hmm. I, I threw uh, a, 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 a bike on the front rack, mm-hmm. uh, which made the driver a little nervous, but we did okay. Okay. And uh, the, the bike is, is interesting in that it's, it's one of the, uh, the bike share bikes that's coming to Hartford. Uh, starting in the next month or two. Well, that's one of the things that I, I had noticed on your bullet point here of that things to ask you, and and um, and I don't have a, a real clean history of what's going on there. So if you could explain to us exactly what that is. Yeah. So so you're, you're probably familiar with what you've maybe seen in Boston or New York City, uh, like the city bikes in New York City, where they've got the docks that are sitting around that you can check out a bike, rent it, and to put it back, check it back into another uh, another station, another dock. Right, exactly. So in Hartford, we're getting what is called dockless bike share. There are no okay. stations. All right. Uh, the bike itself uh, has like a Dutch wheel lock that goes through the back wheel. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, that is electronically controlled, connected to your you know, like 3G cellular network, and it's got a GPS uh, in the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's solar panels on the bike for recharging everything. Really? And it's got lights front and back, a basket in the front, and it knows where it is. You check it out with your smartphone. You've got an account on your smartphone for the bike. At this point, it's, it's like a 30-minute ride, and then the price goes up after that to keep the bikes close. Okay. Uh, to that, like, kind of central district where they're releasing them. Right. Uh, but you can take it anywhere and wow. just get off and park it. You can take it to stores on the bus. Um, or maybe you shouldn't. It is. Uh, <laughs> in order to do that today, I had to uh, leave the lock unlocked. Um, it would put itself into maintenance mode because it would assume I was stealing it. Oh, no. So if it starts moving at uh, motor vehicle speeds, it... Uh, 
changes it, it it recognizes that and says oh somebody's trying to take me oh really uh so right now i'm i'm racking up uh very very high charges uh by uh not closing the lock on the bike just so that i can do a demo day and then we're gonna reverse that manually okay uh, when i get back to hartford <laughs> i see and the bike no longer thinks it's stolen okay i got gotcha. you so i got gotcha. you wow the, if the bike's locked and you pick it up and start taking it somewhere it, mm-hmm. it it says in a very sad voice like stop stealing me i'll call the police oh no kidding mm-hmm. oh that's amazing yeah wow that's great technology so so the kind of cool thing about this is that you can also get a great demographic study of who's using the bikes and what neighborhoods they're going to because you'll see where they they're not going to a docking station yeah, they're, they're, it's not a, a, a command and control release of these bikes. Right. It's, it's more of a, you know, you see where they scatter to and you see where they come back and where they continue to kind of ebb and flow. And they're gathering data on that the whole time. And, you know, some of the stories I've heard from the, the folks at Linebike is, is they'll watch bikes and they're, they're like, well, we, we saw 10 bikes go to this high school, you know, in the, in the evening. And we're like, well, that's an odd pattern. So they mm-hmm. kept an eye on it, like, well, maybe we're going to have to send a van over to go get them. And then the bikes went, just went back to the neighborhoods. It was the football team going to practice. No kidding. And then they rode home after practice. And, Wonderful. And so so if, these, if the bikes get too far out of the network, you know, out of the concentration where it's no longer really an effective cloud, right. they, they have uh, rebalancing and redistribution. So somebody's running around with a van to go get the, the, the loose ones. Uh, and bring them back into the cloud. And then they've got other folks in the closer district, uh, and their job is just to make sure the bikes are parked in a reasonably orderly fashion. Okay. Uh, so they're not, not blocking things. Um, right. Or right. or if they're, you know, it looks like the bike hasn't been used in two days, maybe someone's hit it in an alley. Huh. So. So who owns these bikes? Who, who maintains these bikes? Uh, there's several different companies that are in the dockless bike share kind of realm right now and they're all competing with each other uh some cities have invited in multiple vendors to kind of duke it out Mm -hmm. um which has had some interesting results and bike piles (laughs) um and other cities like the way that hartford's doing it they've they've invited in uh just one vendor so they're working with lime bike um and that vendor is, is bringing bikes in uh with an agreement with the city of hartford uh that either party could revoke uh, but it, it kind of sets the baseline for what and where the, the company can operate and how they can operate in the city. So the company is invested in this, not Hartford. Correct. The, the, the capital investment in the bikes uh, and the management of the system is through that, through that private company. Wow. So they're, um, which is an interesting thing. If you think about transportation history, a lot of our transportation systems and transit systems did start in in private hands in private companies you think right. of the old trolley lines right yeah um yeah. and and even our freight rail is still uh you know a lot of it is in private it's hands mostly private except for amtrak yeah, yeah. it's pretty much and amtrak private. runs on a lot of rails that they don't own which puts them in a lot of situations that delay trains yeah, there's well, that's it's it's a super complicated topic, but it's kind the of the train neat thing is a very complicated to, thing. Yeah, to see these these that this bike share because the capital costs so low, mm-hmm. uh, it's um, 
in some ways, you know, some cities are choosing to just let a private company come in and operate it with some, you know, some some guidelines and, and operating parameters. Okay. Now, what I've seen in the past, and I have friends who live in the Boston area, and they, um, you know, they subscribe to a service, and they have like a little fob or something in their pocket that they walk up to a bike, and they can just take a bike out of a docking station and ride it to another docking station and, and land it back somewhere else. It, it, that's a little, but they pay a yearly fee for that, I believe, or maybe a monthly fee for that. Yeah, at this point, there's like a per ride fee. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, in, in at least right now, uh, competitive with transit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, you can also do like packages, you know, multi-ride packages and, and monthly, yearly stuff. So it's almost Zipcar-ish. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and at this point, it's almost all through a smartphone app. Wow. Um, there are some equity and access issues in that, and, and being Hartford, we have to be very cognizant of that. Um, when we, you know, we've got that really neat program in the downtown business dr- district where if you get a flat tire, the Hartford Business Improvement District will come out and repair your flat for free. Really? Yeah, you just call. It's, they've, they had been doing car tires for years, you know, and jump starts. Mm-hmm. And they said, why don't we just do bikes, too? We got a lot of bikes downtown, so they added it to their emergency roadside service downtown. No kidding. In the downtown district. And their experience is that 60% of their calls for bike tires that, you know, or jump chains or something, you know, tighten up a bolt, 60% of those are utility riders. They're not, um, you know, suit-wearing, you know, uh, business white-collar workers. They're folks right. that are working in the restaurants, uh, working as cleaning services, Right. Um, doing, you know, blue collar jobs and they're mm-hmm. riding a bike for, you know, economic reasons. And, and those, you know, the, the docked bike share doesn't really serve those users well because the docks don't go in the right places. Right. Um, and we've got to pay attention to access, um, and the mobility needs of those, u- those types of neighborhood users, if we want to really serve a large market in Hartford. Hmm. Uh, so, so we don't want to, you know, Ignore customers, right? Because uh, right. this is totally cost accessible uh, and efficient for those those neighborhood users. So, how many of these bikes are there? They're not there yet. Uh, oh. They're 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 in the. It's a these things ramp up quick. Uh, so they're in the. They're hiring an operations manager right now. So they're interviewing. There's a posting out, uh, and they are looking at the uh, like building spaces because they need a staging area and a repair space and an office. Right. Uh, so they're looking at building spaces in Hartford. Uh, they've been looking at properties this, this week, and they're doing interviews in this week. Wow. Uh, and their plan is mid-April to early May to get 300 bikes on the ground. Wow, that's a lot. And the range, I've heard, is, is, is 300 to 1,000, uh, wow. depending on how things look uh, once the bikes are in service. So you're obviously very connected to the bike scene in Hartford. What's going on in Hartford? I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Hartford. I remember we came out, um, Fran and I came out and did the uh, the pedal to the metal ride in the middle of the evening, in the middle of the morning, I guess it was, with you guys, with you and Kion, and that was, the, that was a good time. Um, there seems to be a, kind of a, a, a pulse, I, I, I will say, in Hartford, which is different than it was a few years ago. Yeah, it's... It's there's always been a a scene, it it's I think been fertilized, uh, <laughs> so the 
at the at the city level, there's there's finally an understanding and support for hey, we we need to actually pay attention to active transportation, walking and biking, mm-hmm. um, in addition to uh, you know making sure we have enough parking spaces. We have way too many. Um, so so this, at the city level, we've got a lot of efforts around complete streets and smart policies, um, and that has helped kind of fertilize the scene and 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 get more activity going there. Uh, the pedal to the metal ride, mm-hmm. which was was a prototype ride when you uh, were were participating, has yes. has has now I think been funded. Uh, to become an official part of the Hartford Marathon Day activities. That's what I hear. Yeah. So, so that is really exciting, uh, and it has a connection back to Bicico, um, and it's it's going to be growing significantly uh, from right. that prototype ride size, and becoming a lot more. Uh, I, I I hope it doesn't lose like the edge and the fun. Yeah. Uh, when when we get, you know, to be official. But right. I, I think starting at three, four in the morning is going to keep it weird. Well, it, it keeps it weird enough and it keeps away. And you got to be serious if you're going to go do it, because, you know, it's um, <laughs> it's an early. I, I told Fran, you know, we should go do this. And she went, when do we have to leave the house? <laughs> I mean, it's almost a, a, a ride where you just don't go to sleep. You, you, you right. roll straight out. Right, uh, right. Stay up late and keep going. Well, you know that's because you're a city person. You do that sort of thing. Our, our, uh, <laughs> I don't think that our lifestyle is the same as yours is. Whereas, um, you know, we we if we were to stay up that late, then um, it would be much more difficult for us to transport ourselves into the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, you could, yeah, I can you just, could just uh, simply uh, roll down the road from wherever you last spent your waking hour to there. Yep. That, that's slightly different, uh, slightly different. Yeah, you have to Uber in from stores. Right. Not to say that, you know, you're doing anything that you shouldn't be doing in the middle of the night or until the wee hours of the morning. But, you know, there's there's that possibility, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we're, we're very <laughs> excited that that ride's still moving forward. Uh, it'd be a lot of lights and costumes if we if we do it right. And um Let's see. We other things we've got going on. I mean, Bicico's crazy busy. You've talked to Joe about that. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we think about uh, our our community safety uh, when we think about line bike. Yeah. Um, so some of the things we're doing right now, we just uh, scheduled our uh, first uh, traffic skills uh, safe cycling course of the year mm-hmm. uh, on the twenty second of April. Uh, so that's the registration for that has opened up. Um, we're hoping that we can get another course scheduled in May or June. Uh, we we think a lot of folks are going to be interested in that. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, bike safety education with the hands-on right on bike uh, sec- you know portions involved. Uh, we see a lot of that happening down in New Haven as well. Uh, they are they're bringing a bike share system online uh, at the same time we are. Cool. Um, and so we're working on the safety stuff. Um, we've got a, a multimodal and transit summit that we're planning for the fall uh, that we're kind of excited about. Um, okay. So a couple, couple really neat things going on. Um, That's really neat. Um, so let's see. What did you – you have a, uh, a list of things here. Um, 
You 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 said fun things to talk about. Rant about electronic devices. So since, you're going to bring. Since I, I kind of started out with that you, today. You did, talk to me. You did start with electronic devices, and it you you you're connecting me right back into the traffic uh, the traffic skills 101 course because I I'm going to be updating our slides um, to include uh, things specific to bike share users and things specific to distracted driving. Mm -hmm. um, I was just reading, um, you know, cause of bicycle fatalities. Mm -hmm. uh, 40% of those are rear end crashes. So th those, are, those are people approaching really? from the rear. Really? Yeah, which is, it, it, it is not intuitive, right? Uh, because those are the people that should have seen you from miles away. It's, it's not in... Wow. See, know, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would not have assumed that it would be from the rear. I would think like side hits yeah. or, so, so or like, something like that. Data is a weird thing, right? Yeah. And, it, and <laughs> yes. it makes you think about like, okay, that's not intuitive. What does it mean? What does it mean? Um, and uh, those, if somebody has missed you for that long coming up from behind... It's reckless or distracted driving. Right. Um, and and the, the danger is that it's, it's a full-speed crash, and they haven't, you know, uh, they haven't hit the brakes. Right. And you're a very vulnerable user, obviously, being on a bicycle because, you know, you, have, you don't have the protection of a, of a, you know, a car around you, a metal box around you. Yeah. So I, when we think about that distracted driving, we're like, okay, how do we incorporate that data and that understanding that distracted driving is is causing more of these high-speed rear-end crashes. Um, most crashes are actually not those crashes. Those are just some of the most dangerous type of crashes. Right. Um, and and the things that we we talk about are you know visibility and daytime visibility. Uh, running with like daytime strobes is, right. is is the thing to do, especially if you're spending a whole lot of time on high-speed state routes. Right. If if you're doing rural riding or state route riding or cross country touring, where you're on those you know roads where cars are going sixty sixty five next to you, mm. um, you you want them to s have an opportunity to see you from miles away, right? Uh, and register that and change their behavior. Um, so those those daytime strobe lights are are key, uh, especially on those higher speed roads. And then route choice. You know that's our other you know, main teaching point for, for bike safety is, is if you've got another street and it adds a half a mile, choose it, uh, right. get, get off right. those high speed streets, um, and, and remove a lot of that, um, a lot of that danger. Well, that's been my, my rant for years about, about, uh, roads with names, not numbers. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big believer in that. And if you're given a choice of riding on a side street, let's pick Hartford for an example, and um, yeah, there's a there's a name for Farmington Avenue, but it's also Route Four, so it's also a road with a number on it, and it's a numbered road because it's a busy road because it carries a lot of traffic in and out of the city, at, off to the west, and it's um, I think it's been studied many times. It's the things you could do to change it and make it a lot safer, but um, I don't know if anything has actually been uh, placed with that road. Inside Hartford city limits, they have taken it down to a single lane 
each direction. Oh, and they added, did do that. Uh, bike lanes for portions of it, and they're trying to add bike lanes for the rest. Okay, so yeah, within, I went to a meeting years yeah. ago where they were going to do that. We're going to put, um, they're going to put roundabouts, uh, you know, traffic circles at the intersections. We haven't gotten traffic lights. circles. Um, we're still figuring those out. Glastonbury put one in on Hebron Ave. Yeah, uh, people are so confused. I, I, I went, <laughs> I went and walked, I went and walked and rode it. Uh, yeah, and it was, in my experience, beautiful, and the traffic flowed instead of like the really frustrating stop and wait and go stuff that was happening with a four-way stop um and it was safe for bikes and pedestrians and the cars flowed pretty well i yeah i thought it i think it's working brilliantly well it, it's been proven that it's way safer for a cyclist or no, it's way or safer for all users for all users yeah. really but um, I think that there's an educational curve that I've seen when I go in there, and people just don't know how to use the circle. It's a land of steady habits. It, it is, um, but even you know, it's we're... like people stop and they 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 won't they don't merge and yield like they they haven't figured out the could. flow of it. Yeah, right. They haven't figured that out yet. So I sit there and I just watch people doing strange things, and and, and you can tell that they're completely frustrated because they can't get their behemoth through there and they don't know how to do it and. And, you know, they're and then you get the people with the behemoths and they won't let you in because they have the behemoth. So therefore, so we're, they we're, we're command getting, the road. We're getting more of these, you know, well-designed uh, like town center type roundabouts. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and as they show up, I think folks are going to figure them out. Uh, the, the transportation planners are, are, are looking at them in more, you know, places. Uh, I've seen them uh, talked about and proposed a couple of places in Hartford. Um, you know, we're, we know a lot more about road diets and traffic flow modeling, uh, and what impacts safety. So a lot of the policy is there and, and, and it, you know, in Hartford, you know, I've, I've been looking at a whole lot of, uh, crash data. Um, and, and we, we, we try not to talk about it just around bikes and pedestrians because 80% of the traffic fatalities in Hartford are, are car drivers or passengers. So, so wow. all of these things, they, they 80, affect 80%. Yeah, really. 80% are not vulnerable users. Oh, my God. Ride your bike. So. <laughs> Safer. <laughs> I, yeah, I, sort of. I, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but when you do design for complete streets and safe streets um, for vulnerable users and for everyone, everyone wins. Right. Uh, we, you know, the U.S., uh, you know, uh, fatality rate uh, is per, per 100,000, I think is around... 10 or 12, yeah. uh, it, it's three or four in the European Union. You know, like right. we, we have, and we know why, uh, and there's lots of papers on, on what they do differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, it, it, it's an achievable change. Uh, and, and the U.S. is, you know, with the, you know, and that's been our pitch with the, the Road to Zero grant that we're working on later in this year. Um, you get the four E's, engineering, um, Enforcement, that's getting traffic tickets for speeding, mm-hmm. distracted driving, mm-hmm. blowing lights. Uh, you've got emergency response. We actually do that really well in Hartford. We'll get a, we'll get a, a fire truck or an ambulance there, stat. Um, and you have education and, and engagement, right? Your outreach, your, edu- your education component to, sure. to the road users. Um, so you've got to work on all those aspects. Um, and when you have safe well-designed roads, you have a reasonable amount of traffic enforcement, uh, and folks know how to use them, uh, then you don't have to send as many ambulances. Uh, right, right. So, and it's, it's all road users. 
So mm-hmm. that's a lot of what trans. That's that's one of the aspects of Transport Hartford has been around uh, the Vision Zero kind of kind of movement uh, in education and what that is. So, the Vision Zero Zero being what? Uh, the the Vision Zero is zero traffic fatalities as a goal. Wow, that's a big goal. It and just driving towards zero. It's, it, it's, right, it's a right. incremental changes uh, and, and making sure you're improving. That's the carrot. Yeah, that's the carrot. Yeah. Um, and, and some places, you know, your, you know, cities can say we didn't have any traffic fatalities this year because they did the right things. Oh. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not, I wouldn't say it's a complicated system, but, but we know what knobs to turn. Right, right. So. So, so where, where do you, um, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you had the four E's there, and, and there's obviously directions to look at. But what, what is the, the foremost of all of those? What would you say is the one that would stand out over the others to help you move in the forward direction? I, I have my own answer here, but I'm just, I'm just asking. Yeah, I would say there's two things in, in Hartford where I have the most you know, familiarity and in, in some of our near suburbs. I could say it would be in general. At, at it as yeah. far as that goes, I, and it may apply in a lot of other places, but I know specifically in Hartford we have a really low traffic enforcement rate. Oh, that's different uh, from See, that's West Hartford, I, Newington, that's not Wethersfield, what I right. East Hartford. Yeah, uh, specifically in Hartford we have a low traffic enforcement rate, so there's not a, a culture of uh, obeying a speed limit right. or putting your phone down. If if you're in a community where you're getting those speeding tickets when you're when you when you get caught speeding and it's a regular occurrence and you see the police out enforcing speed, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you change behavior. Uh, so that that's one part of it. I mean, okay. and that that can be immediate. Uh, and there are papers written about how effective it is for reducing speeds and reducing crashes. Right. Um, the longer term and more effective, efficient thing is is the engineering and infrastructure. And, and designing streets well uh, for appropriate speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then you reduce risk for everybody. Uh, you separate vulnerable users where you can, uh, such that they're, they do have safe spaces to ride, mm-hmm. uh, and they can make mistakes uh, without them being dangerous. Right, right. Um, see, my, my big one is education. I, I just... I, how many people, I mean, you must, you must experience this. How many people do you talk to about, well, I know you talk to a lot of people about bicycles and bicycle mm-hmm. safety because it's kind of your thing and it's my thing and that's what we do. How many people, when you tell them current bicycle law, which is pretty much the same as driving your automobile, your, your, you know, as far as the rules of the road go, and you explain to drivers of motor vehicles what the laws are, how many of them look at you and go, I had no idea? Uh, a lot. A lot. That's and, education. And we, 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 we think that's an important component of it. Um, I just, it's, even if we tell folks what they should be doing. <laughs> they're humans. They're, we're, we're all humans. <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, I, I, having worked so long in the education side of it, um, and, and, and even knowing how little education we do on bike and pedestrian safety with, with youth and teens, yeah. um, I, I still see the limitations because I know how much driver education we do and, and how much trouble we still have in that framework. 
So, so I think education has an important role to play, and we can do a lot more of it. Uh, and getting more people out walking and riding mm-hmm. actually increases safety for all road users as well. Well, I that's a big one right there um, because the more you see out there, the more you're going to be aware. Oh, and you become so, an excellent driver once you've been a, a bicyclist. Oh, boy, do you ever. You yeah. find religion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You sure do. You sure do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I, I think education's up there. I, mm. I, I, I think I've just beat my head against it so long that I, I've started looking at other things to try and fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, any conversations I've had with people, and and Fran will tell you, I'm not afraid to encounter a driver of a motorized vehicle, and ask them to pull over so I can speak with them about their infraction so to speak. I guess we'll call it that. And uh, the, uh, you know, the, the first thing I try to do, try in, in a rational time, at a rational time, is I thank them for pulling over. And then I say, can I talk to you about bicycle law? And that really throws them back because that's not what they're expecting. They're expecting you to scream at them and rant and, you know, say, what are you thinking? What are you well, doing well, and they, all that stuff? Well, they stuff, don't know right? you have this other place you rant so that you can be much calmer <laughs> That's right. Person. That's right. <laughs> I can get it all out right here. It's so it's a, not it's a big deal. It's important to be able to get it out somewhere. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. But, um, you know, when you, when you do get to the point where you start actually educating people and explaining to them, and I—, I I shudder to say this, but I've had this conversation with police officers that have not known the law. And that's an unfortunate situation, but it happens. You know, they're not completely aware Mm -hmm. of what is going on. And and just this is a personal thing, but I I have always felt that um, the law enforcement has been more one-sided towards those who are driving motorized vehicles than those who are not. But I may be wrong there, but it just always seems that there's a little bit of a bias there. Yeah, I, I, and I, uh, some of the things where you, they just don't have the, the lived experience where they might drive into the station and then get in their cruiser and then drive all day. Uh, and and they, don't, they don't see it from the perspective of the person on foot or on bike. And when you talk to the, the um, law enforcement people that have been... Um, law enforcement on bicycles, they have an entirely different perspective. And they're, they're much easier to approach. Uh, they're, I think they're more informed. So you're right. Once you get on the well, bike, we, it We're, we're excited with this Road to Zero grant. We're going to be working with the uh, Police Activities League uh, and the Hartford Police Explorers uh, hmm, in, nice. in kind of a you know, youth internship uh, community outreach role. And the, the Police uh, Activities League... Um, is now coordinated by uh, a, an officer that was the head of the bicycle-mounted patrols. So, so we've got uh, that opportunity to do a, some education with uh, with their teams, um, and and have you know an officer that that has the direct experience. Hmm. So I, I have to ask you a question: How do you feel about driverless cars? Um, I'm. Uh, I my my dad just got a Toyota Camry mm-hmm. with uh, several like driverless car light features. 
Okay. Uh, and I've ridden with him and my mother driving, uh, and and I know why I don't drive. I get some of the same characteristics that I have uh, <laughs> make it not safe, and and they have them, uh, and there's you know some of them are advancing. Right. Um, so I am excited that they have a car that uh, complements uh, their ability to to stop when someone walks in front of the vehicle, or if a vehicle stops on a dime in front of them. And that there's a, a, a beep that happens if somebody's in their blind spot while they're changing lanes. Like, right. So, so these features um, are going to keep – they weren't going to stop driving. They, they live in the middle of nowhere in southern Indiana. And, and they're going to drive as long as they can because if they, whenever they stop, they're going to be locked in. Right? They're, they're not going to have access to anything right. um, unless they call a very infrequent and probably underfunded dial-a-ride system. Right. So, so I am super excited that they have like a driverless car light, and I expect that they'll trade up uh, every five years into the next driverless car version until they're in a driverless car. Um, so I see a lot of promise in right. that technology. Right. Um, and I think it's moving fast. Uh, I wouldn't step in front of one yet. No. Um, and I and I, you know, I'm. I'm interested in it. I, I, I'm well, really excited about you're it. You're an engineer. Of course you're interested yeah, from in a, this. From a, from a transportation <laughs> perspective, I'm most interested in it from a uh, transit perspective. Yeah. Um, and how do we make these multi-person uh, trips. Right. And not just more big metal boxes uh, with one person in them. You know? Right. Uh, especially in our denser areas and town centers where, where we could combine those trips more in a more sophisticated way now when, because of, you know, you say, I want to get from A to B, and the system says, hey, you know, we can combine these two trips, and you're, you're both going in the same direction. Right, right. And with regulation, you could, you could force some of these driverless vehicles to only be transit or multi, multi-user focused. Well, I think that's the direction they're trying to go with this yeah. at this point. But I don't know. It scares me. Yeah, the impacts on scares the me. impacts on congestion uh, in cities with like rideshare, which are going towards uh, AVs, mm-hmm. autonomous vehicles, has not been good, and it's it's been problematic for transit. The transit's losing uh, in some cities. Transit is losing their mode share uh, and ridership to uh, these ride sharing services. That, oh, are, really? that are more flexible. Hmm. So, uh, and it's and it, but it's making congestion worse. Right. Like, so we so, don't see that yet in Hartford because our congestion isn't real. When people say like Hartford's congested, I I don't think they've been to a city. No, no, but it is congested because you know I was um, a couple of days ago. We went to Albany to go to watch the women play yep. to the to in their way into the Final Four, and I mean Albany's a state capital. It's a big city, right? Boy, what a difference. There's nobody there. Yeah, there's nobody there. There's nobody there. There's yeah. also nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a strange city. Yeah. But I was just amazed that, you know, I because I, I, you know, I went with my sister and I said, so what's rush hour like in Albany? And she just started laughing at me. And I said, what? And she goes, oh, you'll see. And we got there. There, There is no 
rush hour. It's not like when traffic gets bottled in Hartford and we have horrible bottlenecks in and out of the city in Hartford right now that I yeah. see. Hopefully we can make them worse so that we can get more people on commuter rail. Well, that's 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 the beauty of it. Right. right. Yeah, that'll be I, a super convenient trip. I think Albany's different than Hartford because of where it's located with respect to the rest of New York State. Um, and you know, because Albany, a lot of New York State is very rural, and New York State is enormous. Yeah. And once you get out of greater New York, um, New York becomes much more spread out. It's almost like the Midwest. And Hartford is really uh, a centralized location for Connecticut. A lot of stuff, you know, all roads lead to Hartford kind of thing right. in Connecticut. And um, so you have a lot of population bases uh, coming into Hartford, and it's it's really very centrally located. So it's going to be a little bit busier than than Albany. Albany is a strange thing. And then you have the um, decline of industry in that part of New York State. That They were very much, you know, industrial. Uh, it was very much an industrial region. And, you know, we had the decline of the factory, and that affected that area a lot. So there's not so much going on there. Yeah, and Hartford is, has Hartford. a renaissance, does, wouldn't you say? We're, I mean, we're, we're, we're building apartments and, and filling them up as uh, – quick as they get built so that it it feels like it um we're getting a lot more folks moving downtown so we have a lot of things we could still talk about but we are starting to run out of time and you you have some sort of a trip coming up or a, a thoughts of a trip what's going on there yeah it's uh it in my experience the thoughts of a trip uh often uh escalate into an actual uh bike tour uh, so I was looking at my schedule for this year and how funds were lining up for projects. Uh, I realized I might have an opportunity uh, to do a East Coast Greenway full route trip um, and finally do the whole length. Uh, so in the next week or two, uh, I might be jumping on my bike and, and riding from northern Maine down to the Key West of Florida. Whoa. So Fun. Yeah, actually, I'll be taking the uh, Vermonter up to the border of uh, the U.S. and Canada because it doesn't cross the boundary. Right. And then riding into Canada and crossing over to Maine to get started. So the Vermonter goes up through St. Johnsbury and, and north from there, like that yep. the White and, River and, Junction, and that whole Saint area. St. Albans, I think. St. Albans, right. Is, is exactly. where, it, where it terminates at this point, right on the, right on the border. So when do you start doing this? I haven't picked my start date yet. I need to. I I kind of want to hit the uh, Greenway Summit in Boston. Okay. On the twenty sixth and twenty seventh of April. I saw that. Yeah. And and if if I time it right, I can hit that summit, uh, and then hit Hartford because I have a friend doing a musical uh, that I'm involved with on May fourth in Hartford at the Heartbeat Ensemble. So I want to get back in town for that so she doesn't kill me. <laughs> uh, during the, it's a women's theater festival uh, that weekend in Hartford. So I want to be back in Hartford for that around that time. So if I hit yeah. the summit and then get to Hartford, I can take a little break and then uh, determine if I can take the rest of the trip or or if I need to delay it till the fall. Okay. So all right. So you'll be coming right through our area then. I'll be yeah. East Coast Greenway comes so right back through Hartford. You're, and and also goes through. Willimantic and yeah. that that whole thing. So we're going to have to hook up when you do that. Yeah, I'll be in great cool. shape after the first like three weeks. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Wow. Well, that's a big trip. Yeah. We we have a whole list of things to talk about here, but um, we just chatted away here and blew off another good hour of time. It, that happens. Yeah, that happens. It does happen. So I'm going to have to move on here. Um, my guest today 
has been Tony Torellis, and Tony is a a uh, a forever guest on Bicycle Talk. I'm going to say because um, he seems to always have something new to talk about that has to do with bicycles and transportation, and we love having you here. It's really a good thing. My pleasure. All right, so. Um, I am going to finish this up with a few highlights of things that are coming up very quickly. I'm going to run through this. We have um, the Bike Walk CT is having a summit on April 6th, 8.30 to 5 in Hartford at the Lyceum. In, uh, and they, you can check that out at bikewalkct.com. Uh, dot org, excuse me. And there's also a New England Bike Walk Summit in April, uh, the 26th and 27th in Boston. Uh, you can check that out also online at 10times.com and backslash NBWS. In addition to all that, I remind everyone that National Bike to Work Week is in the month of May, which is Bike Month, and that will be May 14th through the 18th. Bike to Work Day, National Work Day, is on May 18th. There will be a big celebration in Hartford. Sunday, June 10th, um, the Weathersfield Bike Swap is coming up, and I will have more details on that in the future. We'll probably have a guest on for that. We'll get Tom on here. We'll talk about it. And on Sunday, June 24th, the Seven Lakes Ride uh, is coming up also. And that's from our folks, our friends at Nirac Earth. It's a great ride if you want to see some really beautiful areas out here in northeastern Connecticut. There's also July 28th, the Thread City Century with the Thread City Cyclers. And that is um, in Chaplin, Connecticut is where that all starts. So there's lots of things coming up, and there's even more besides that. If you have something to contribute to it, please just let me know. I'll put you on the calendar. My name is Pedlin Ron, and you've been listening to Bicycle Talk with my co-host, the lovely Fran Storch, a show where we talk about bicycles, bicycle culture, bicycle advocacy, upcoming news and cycling, the bicycle business, and the bicycle calendar. You can send me an email at bicycletalk, the numeral one, at gmail.com. And you can also listen to past episodes of Bicycle Talk on whus.org or on iTunes. If you'd like to contribute information to the show or be on the show as a guest, please contact me at bicycletalk, the numeral one, at gmail.com. This is Pedal and Ron. Remember, keep the rubber side down and the wind at your back. Get out and ride your bike. This is 91.7 FM, whus stores.